Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's program, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with audio adaptations of two rounds of frightening fiction about childhood companions and twin tragedies. I'm your host, Jason Hill, temporarily standing in for our friend Steve Taylor. And if you like what you hear, and you'd like to hear more, be sure to check out my show, The Horror Hill Podcast, for even more terrifying tales. Tonight, I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us this night to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Carly H. and Kay Skellington to life are voice talents Nick Garoff, Danielle Hewitt, Vanessa Bonilla, and Eric Peabody. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our theater of the minds. Embrace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale tonight comes to us from author Carly H. and is performed by Nick Goroff, Vanessa Bonilla, and Danielle Hewitt. In our first round of fiction tonight, we'll meet a family ringing in good cheer on a beautiful, crisp Christmas morning. It's time for the child of the family, a young boy named James, to open his one last present a puppy, who he fondly names Angel. We accompany James and Angel on their journey as they make the evolution into adulthood together hand in paw, protecting and guiding each other through life's ups and many downs. Angel proves that dogs really are one of humanity's best friends, as he is confronted with demons that he thought were long extinguished and left behind, and comes out victorious due to her aid. However, although a loved one's spirit lives eternal in our hearts, nothing lasts forever. Without further ado, I present to you, Angel. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs 
or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Who else could have asked for a more perfect Christmas morning? The sky's not quite dark yet, not quite bright. Snowflakes gently pelting against the windows. The fireplace giving a warm, comforting glow, and the tree itself sparkling with glitter and multicolored lights. In this case, lights of blue and white. James himself loved these types of mornings from Father Winter, especially when it came to Christmas and snow days from school. The toddler sat in the middle of his family living room, surrounded by torn paper and empty packages of presents. His mother, Hazel, sat on the sofa couch, smiling as she adjusted the radio's volume so the classic songs of the season could be heard well. Teddy, James's father, smoked his pipe, also grinning at his son's enjoyment of the various gifts he received from their relatives. You've opened everything, honey? Hazel asked. James took a sec to look around at the new toys, books, games, and money to spend on whatever he pleased, nodding enthusiastically. Everything? His father chuckled. Yeah, everything, Daddy. Teddy placed his hands on his knees, rising from his usual spot. Oh, I don't think so, buddy. Hold on a minute. With a wink, he headed out the door that led to their garage. James looked confused, staring at his mother for answers. Hazel only shrugged a playful smile on her face. His father then returned, somewhat struggling to carry a large box wrapped in red paper and tied with curled green ribbon. The young boy's eyes widened in surprise. He had done this for his previous collection of presents, but something about this one Teddy brought in just now. It felt so appealing to him, and he had yet to even open it. Go on. Open up. It's all yours, son. James needed no convincing. His fingers quickly fiddled with the ribbon, loosening it off the box. And the instant he did so, a small noise cried out. Not just any type of noise. A yip or yap or... He pulled off the wrapping and removed the lid of the present, eyes wider to the point they might fall out of his head. Inside sat a puppy, staring up at who would be her new master and tail wagging. Her fur was pearly white. Spots of black decorated her body all over, and her eyes seemed the most interesting to James. While most Dalmatians had eyes of either pure brown or solid black, this one has eyes of blue. Pure, icy blue. Maybe it was because one of her parents could have been a different breed of dog. Husky, perhaps? They were well known for their bright blue eyes. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Daddy. James carefully lifted the puppy out. The latter wasted no time, giving him various kisses all over his face. You like her, kiddo? I love her, I love her! Hazel and Teddy both shared a chuckle, enjoying the sight of boy and dog. Remember, you have to look after her and take care of her. She is your responsibility. I know, Mama. So you got a name for her, son? Teddy got the camera ready. James put on his thinking face, still holding the puppy in his lap by her underarms. He wasn't sure if he wanted to go with a cliché name like Max or Trixie. No offense to those who had named their dogs those names. But he noticed something along the animal's back. Her spots seemed to form some type of wings, almost angelic. Angel, you're going to be Angel. Angel barked in reply. Once again, attacking James's face with kisses as he laughed in response. 
These two were going to have a beautiful relationship for a long, long time. As James grew into his preteen years, he learned very much how to care for Angel with Hazel's help. How to feed her, clean up after her, give her baths, and take her on walks around the block. The easiest was playing with her. No trouble with that lesson. Yes, this seemed like a happy family until Teddy lost his job, turning to vodka as his only comfort. This slowly turned a once-loving father into a brute of a man. James nowadays found himself hiding in his bedroom, tears running down his face, listening to the verbal violence between his parents and hugging Angel close to his body. The pup in question would try to comfort her master, gentle licks on his cheek. It was already scary enough to hear the shouting and screaming below downstairs, but what was most terrifying was Teddy stomping his way upwards, Hazel's protests falling on deaf ears, and he would barge into James's room, ready to take out more frustration on his son, who cried while Angel could only yap in anger at the older man. By the time he had reached sixteen, James was hardly happy like he used to be, and it wasn't even a happy choice to be pulled out of school away from his friends and doing online courses instead. It didn't feel the same. He was stuck in a reluctant routine, from spending time cooped up in his bedroom on hours and taking Angel out of the house as long as possible. The arguing of his folks he grew used to. However, it still concerned him that Hazel could not stand much of a chance against Teddy in his violent, drunken state of mind. The comfort he got was from Angel and a few of his friends from an online chat. One of them was Sarah, a girl he knew back in his kindergarten days. She mostly talked of how she missed him and also bring up events he'd missed at school, either funny or serious. James had also been informed she was planning to move out of her home someday, but she promised that he was welcome to come with her along with both their dogs. He wasn't sure about the idea, having to leave his mother while his father being like this, but he would at least consider the offer. He was broken out of thought by the Dalmatian, leash in her mouth and pawing at the door. A glance at the clock told him it was after four, and he stretched. Time flies fast, sort of. James threw on his jean jacket with nothing else on his agenda, took the end of the leash from Angel, and headed outside. The weather was between summer and autumn, a little crispy, but not too cold. James stuck a hand in his pocket, somewhat lost in idle thoughts as Angel led the way, sniffing the sidewalk and grass. Either he just did it out of habit, or Angel seemed to know what he needed most, but he ended up at the cherry brick house out at the corner of the street. Said house belonged to his friend, who sat outside and glanced up to see him approach. Sarah smiled. Her eyes of blue sparkled from the sunlight, her golden curls bouncing in the breeze. She was clad in a red skirt and white top with a matching red coat. Popcorn, her cream-furred Pomeranian, yipped in excitement and bounded forward to his larger playmate. James dropped the leash to allow Angel some interaction. James, you made it. Sarah trotted over to embrace her childhood best friend. Thought you'd prefer being mostly glued to your screen. I didn't have anything else going on, James merely shrugged. How's school right now? Ugh. Some people refuse to flush in the bathrooms. We've had to have an assembly about it. At least twice. Sarah laughed weakly before her face faltered to one of seriousness. Your parents still fighting? Pretty much. Surprised there haven't been any noise complaints with how they argue. The two turned their attention for a sec on the two animals, popcorn darting in random zigzag lines while Angel bounced to the point that she seemed to resemble a large black-and-white grasshopper. They smiled. It's so funny. Popcorn's usually timid around dogs larger than himself. James scratched a spot behind his neck. Seems Angel is an exception. The two began to share various conversations while their dogs played together as time faded. James barely noticed how late it was getting until he received a text from Hazel, who had been wondering where her little chocolate chip was. He only informed her that he was hanging with a friend of his and that 
he was doing all right. Sarah noticed it getting late too and offered James to stay for supper. Her parents were out for the evening and she had several TV dinners. He thought about it for a moment and then agreed. Sarah felt a little bad about giving James a cliched dinner that would offend most others, but he didn't mind. It was best to have a fried chicken meal that came with corn, mashed potatoes, and a brownie finish off, then having to sneak down and take a few items to nibble on while his parents were distracted by their fight. The friends sat on the couch together while Angel and Popcorn sat by their respective master's feet, watching on Netflix Green Eggs and Ham that everyone had been raving about recently. Fascinating to take a simple children's book and turn it into something rather emotional and enjoyable. It was rather dark out when James finally had to head home with Angel. Sarah offered him a flashlight to borrow to find his way. They both waved a small farewell and separated. As the boy and Dalmatian approached the house, they began slowing down. Would Hazel and Teddy still be awake? Would James get in trouble yet again for staying out this late? Sure, he had informed his mother, but not his father, so who knew? James switched off the flashlight. Okay, let's just say you got distracted by a cat, and it took a while to stop chasing you down. Angel gave an offended snort. I know, it's not like you, but I'm running out of excuses. He reached slowly for the door, pressing the code to unlock it, and stepped cautiously inside with Angel by his side. Carefully now, he just had to make his way towards the staircase and head for his room. The lights came on, startling them both. Well, shit. James, is that you, honey? Hazel made her way down to greet her son. You've been gone more than usual. Mama, I told you I was with a friend. Do you remember Sarah? She offered me to stay for... The hell have you been? Teddy followed. More likely, stumbled down the stairs. He'd been drinking yet again, as James could tell from that sadly familiar smell. Dad, I was with a friend, and she... A little blonde brat, was it? You know how we ought to feel about them selfish rich folk? They can afford more than us and tend to rub it in our faces. Teddy, please don't. Hazel was immediately muted out of the conversation. Why do we even bother spending money on anything if we get nothing in return? just goes to waste with what we place it on, such as that mongrel. He jabbed in Angel's direction. She was way too much. I don't know why I bothered spending my last cents on such a useless animal. James felt a spark of anger. It was one thing to insult his mother, but belittling the one creature that stayed by his side so long. If you think you can just... I'm not thinking, boy. I know. Best we get rid of her. To save us some real cash, got it? A deep growl rumbled forward from the animal, growing louder as Teddy forcefully approached, pushing James and Hazel aside. The second he was within reach of her collar, Angel bit down with full force, refusing to let go. James quickly escorted Hazel out of the room for safety. He couldn't remember a time he'd seen Angel this pissed, and this didn't look pleasant. Teddy's screams and Angel's roaring barks filled the house, both James and Hazel holding on to each other underneath the kitchen table. The noises went on for seemingly about a half hour till they slowly died down, but mother and son remained on edge, merging from their hiding spot. James slowly peeked in first to the living room and paled at the sight before him. Blood was almost everywhere, the floor, walls and furniture were speckled dark red. Teddy lay in the corner of the room, grasping at his mouth which bled heavily from the inside. Angel turned to her master, her muzzle also tinted pinkish red as well as her front paws. He squinted at the pink item in her teeth. There was no way that couldn't be a... The Dalmatian in question only gave her tail a happy wag as she swallowed it whole. James... We just can't. But why? She just protected us, and this is how you thank her? Just plan to give her away? James stomped back and forth, unable to believe what Hazel had the nerve to suggest. I don't know how she would turn into such a dangerous animal, but... Dad was the dangerous one. Can't you see that he's straight up fucked in the head now? James, enough. 
No, not enough. I'm not sending away Angel after all she's done for me, unlike you have. James clenched his fists in anger. You think I like being pulled out of school? Away from my friends? Away from the only other safe place I had from you two? Please, it's hard enough with your father's condition as it is. He used to be my father. Hazel was slowly moving away from worrying concern to annoyance at her son's persistence. All I'm saying is... Do you enjoy being his punching bag? When did my mother all of a sudden become a masochist for that asshole? Stop it, James, please. That's the real reason you refuse to leave him, isn't it? You care more about your own bitchy needs than you do your son. James mostly expected Hazel to break down into admitting he was right. He just didn't expect her hand to make contact with his face, knocking him backward. It left him briefly in shock and shaken, eyes moving to gaze at his mother. She had the look of shock in her eyes at what she had done, but he could care less. He couldn't anymore, not with how she felt. The better idea was giving away his only comfort. Hazel's voice fell on deaf ears as James rushed up the stairs, slightly stumbling as he slammed the door to his room. He managed to catch his breath, which slowly turned into soft sobs as he held his legs close to his body, hiding his face in his knees. Angel, who had been kept cooped upstairs during the whole argument, moved her way towards her master, gently nuzzling his cheek. He eventually hugged the dog close to him and then brought out his phone to dial a certain number. The choice had been made there and then. It took a few more years to plan out the best time and what to bring along, but sure enough, James was ready to move out with Angel by his side. During this time, he had hardly interacted with his mother. He didn't care to visit Teddy, who remained in the hospital most of the time. He still gave her his phone number so she could call him up, but if and only if she promised to get herself help and away from Teddy's abuse. Hazel was hesitant, but promised that she would. James loaded Angel into the back with popcorn, took his seat beside Sarah in the car, and off they went to their destination with a nod. The house they arrived at was located on one of those small streets where few families lived. It had a big enough yard for the dogs to romp around in, and even had a forest and creek a few yards off. It looked nice enough to take a hike in or even camp out at. Not surprisingly, it didn't take very long for various people on the street to welcome this young pair to their part of the neighborhood. They brought gifts, such as bathroom lotions, baked goods, and those fruits cut in the shapes of flowers. Angel and Popcorn even befriended a couple of the pets that came along to welcome them. There was Grumpy, the Penderson's bulldog, Marmaduke and Scooby, the Hansons' twin Great Danes, and even Goliath. Miss Pennyapple's tiny chihuahua. Even a couple of alley cats roamed the area, one of them everyone nicknamed Scarface due to his missing eye from what could have been a previous catfight. Scarface was reluctant, but eventually he was won over. James and Sarah had a pleasant time living together once they'd settled everything, and the house was set up the way they liked. They enjoyed events such as barbecues with the neighbors, spending a summer's day at the beach, and many other activities. Over time, the young pair grew closer with each other as their friendship developed into something even more. First came their love once James dared to propose, which Sarah happily accepted. Then came their small wedding. Lastly came Scarlet in the baby carriage. Her skin color was a mix of her parents, but she fully inherited Sarah's blonde curls. The child was an instant favorite in the small family. James and Sarah did almost everything they could to please their daughter with whatever she wanted most. Angel and Popcorn took full nanny positions, such as howling a lullaby whenever Scarlet had trouble sleeping. I assume by now, you're either hoping they're fully a happy family, or expecting something to take a turn for the worst. Well, you'd be somewhat correct. Because there came that one stormy night in late October... They were all gathered in the kitchen, celebrating Scarlet's birthday. The seven-year-old smiled brightly at her cake, decorated with the face of Princess Ariel. She had quite a fascination with mermaids. 
James sat beside her with a smile, and Sarah took a couple of peanut butter biscuits out of the oven that were suitable both for human and dog alike. Angel and Popcorn couldn't help their habit of sitting next to the table, staring intently as they waited for something to snack on. You know, Mommy, Daddy, this is my very best birthday. And plenty more to come soon enough, sweetie, James agreed. Can my friends come next time? Due to a virus going around, Scarlet couldn't have all her friends over like she wanted to. It was mostly to be on the safe side, even if they did wear masks. Sarah set down the tray of cookies, smiling as she offered Dalmatian and Pomeranian each a biscuit to scarf down. The family went on like they usually did, with a cake slice each. Scarlet enjoyed each gift from her parents, along with some that her friends had managed to deliver beforehand. James didn't notice at first, due to giving his daughter undivided attention, but he slowly took in the interest of Angel. She had grown quiet, stiff, and kept staring at the front door down the hallway. What had caught her attention anyways, he wondered. It was pouring out. Not a night anyone would want to be outside for. A low growl sounded. That was Angel's growl, one James recalled a long time ago. Soon, all their attention was gathered as Popcorn jolted to his feet, perked up his ears, and began barking like mad. Do you think Scarface invited himself over? Sarah asked, trying to lighten the sudden situation. That attempt sadly ever worked for very long. The front door's knob began to jiggle weakly, then rattled madly. Knocks like gunshots struck from the other side. James quickly pulled his wife and daughter close as the dogs stood guard, growling and barking at whoever was trying to intrude. Mommy? Daddy? Who was that? Scarlet was beyond terrified. I can't say for sure. Quick, Sarah, get Scarlet upstairs and don't come down till I tell you. She didn't want to leave him, but gathered Scarlet in her arms, headed for the master bedroom, popcorn hot on her heels, while Angel stuck by her master's side as she'd always done. James dug through the closet for the gun they kept just in case and cocked it, ready to give off fire if he had to. Steady, old girl. Steady. Get ready. The door eventually was forced open from the other side, a figure staggering its way inside in pain. She looked older, yet James recognized her. Mama? Jesus, Mama, you gave us such a scare. Hazel only groaned in protest, reaching her arms towards her son. Tears leaked down her bruised face. What's... What's wrong, Mama? James only got a sigh as an answer as she collapsed to the floor, a knife stuck in her spine, soaked in blood. Another figure stumbled through the doorway, who James also realized as... But that couldn't be. But there was Teddy, clear as day. He could only give off grunts and groans due to his missing tongue. James, growing horrified, began backing away, still holding the gun at this point. Angel growled loudly in warning ready to attack Teddy if she had to. The disarranged man was moving closer and closer, then received a fiery pain in his hand. James fired a warning shot as they locked eyes with each other. Dad, don't do this. You've got a granddaughter upstairs. You don't want to be doing this. Teddy seemingly pondered, remaining quiet before rushing out the door. James felt the urge to follow him, with Angel right behind him. He sadly had to pass his deceased mother. Rain darted downward onto the men, thunder and lightning making their cameos here and there. James tackled his father, and the two of them fighting with fists, the gun having been dropped. Angel barked from the sideline, encouraging her master to fight on. Finally, the younger man had the other pinned down, preparing the final blow, and he somehow couldn't do it. Teddy was giving off a sense of sadness in his eyes as if regretting everything he had ever said and done to his family. Hazel was already gone, but he'd do the same to James. A car horn sounded, then a screech of tires. James hardly had time to react as time slowed down and Teddy shoved him. Next came a blur of black and white. His head was swimming painfully, pounding hard against his skull. James sat up as best as he could, gripping his head. He felt dizzy, almost sick and lightheaded. 
He eventually opened his eyes to the rain falling, but extremely slowly. He took one hand to catch a few drops, watching as his limb gave off trails as it moved. The rain seemed to fade through his grasp, as if he couldn't quite touch it. He looked to his left, seeing his former father's body sprawled out on the pavement. Despite all that he did, he wished him to finally find peace and happiness. But that blur of... He turned to his right to meet a dreadful sight. Angel, his beloved Dalmatian, the comfort he had growing up, was also displayed deadly still. He moved his best towards her, choking on sobs as he attempted to hold her close one more time. No, 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 Angel, Angel! Come on, old girl, please, please, you can't leave me like this. Come back to me. He buried his face in her fur, letting out all his emotion. She didn't deserve this. She in no way deserved dying like this. If only there was some way. James. That voice was one he never heard once in his life, but somehow he felt he always knew it for so long. He spun around at the sight of her. She glowed brightly, giving off a warm smile, and giant feathered wings fluttered from her back. Angel. The younger man crawled his way towards his beloved pet, embracing her as she embraced back with her head. James laughed sadly as the Dalmatian gave him gentle licks just as she did many times before. It won't be too long now. Hopefully he's learned from all his mistakes this time. James looked puzzled. Angel acted as if this wasn't the first time Teddy had, but how is that possible? Tell me, James. Do you recall those interactions with all the animals you came across as a child? He nodded in answer. And those insects you didn't have to cheat kindly, but did regardless? James nodded again. Well, there's a high chance some of them could have been me in a previous life or two. You? He couldn't believe what he heard. Some of those creatures were you? Angel smiled. It wasn't just me looking for a new life to move on to. Most others have as well. If we chose life to be one's pet, as I have been, we'd focus closely on a human to be our potential companion. But sometimes, it can turn out to be a mistake. James could understand that pretty well. Was Dad? He was mostly human in his past lives. None of them turned out for the greater good, unfortunately. Angel frowned. This one, however. He had started so well, but felt like he was faltering. That's why he must have brought me to you. It seemed to make some sort of sense now. Teddy knew he'd fall down a bad path again. He had gotten Angel for James, not just as a gift, but to keep him protected from his parents. And Hazel, well, maybe Teddy did away with her so he could finally be at peace. He gazed down at his hands still leaving trails as they moved. Does this mean... Am I? Only one way to find out. Angel gathered up the leash around her neck and her mouth. It glowed a white light. Hold on tight. James slowly took grasp of the lead, and it felt cold to the touch. The mist began to gather around them, evolving into a stairway for them to climb. Angel headed up first, tugging James after her. He was a little surprised to find the cloudy pathway was solid, like in that Mary Poppins film. He kept his eye on Angel, trying not to look down and doing his best to take the spots she somehow knew where to step. She'd look back a few times to make sure he was doing alright to keep up. He'd nod to reassure her, she'd nod in return, and they'd continue on their way. James eventually had to take a look downward, seeing how high they were. Houses and cars the same size as those miniature landscapes people sometimes collected. People looking more like ants and lights like that of fireflies. The cloud they were heading towards had a yellow glow from behind, indicating what its location was. Angel stepped onto it first. James came up behind her, only to slip through the cloud having the leash to hold onto. 
Angel looked over the edge at him in concern. James tried to climb his way back up, but felt a hard shock to his chest, causing him to slip more. This kept repeating himself. Ain't Angel! Help! Help me, old girl! The Dalmatian pondered a moment, using her teeth to yank him up the closest she could get to face him. James sighed in relief, ready to pull himself up but facing Angel now. He saw a sadness, yet happiness, within her icy blue gaze. Remember that I've always loved you. He didn't have time to react as she snapped the leash out of his grasp, causing him to fall slowly. He stared after her, tears in his eyes. Angel only smiled over the edge as clouds crossed her path, blocking her from view for the last time. James struggled to grasp at nothingness. Seeing how the pavement below was rising faster to meet him, he braced himself, ready for a bone-crushing landing. Instead, he felt himself sinking into the ground softly, like he was tucked in for the night. James jumped awake, finding himself in the hospital surrounded by blinding white walls. The sounds of doctors and nurses, the beep from his monitor, and the murmurs of the doctor with his wife and daughter filled his ears. His soft groans caught their attention, Scarlet crying out apologies, and Sarah assuring him he was safe and okay. James smiled weakly, brushing the locks of his little girl's hair, and gazed at his beloved, silently asking, Angel? Dad? I'm so sorry. He sighed, laying back on his pillow, feeling sleepy from the medication pumping into his veins. The voices and noises faded slowly away as he drifted into a heavy sleep. Wherever she was now, whatever form she decided to take, or taken by now, all that mattered to James was that she was happy being someone else's angel, just like she'd been his. I hope you enjoyed Angel, as written by Carly H. and brought to life by 2016's Evil Idol voice acting competition champion Nick Garoff, featuring the talents of Vanessa Bonilla and Danielle Hewitt. And if you dig Carly H.'s work, be sure to check out her DeviantArt page by going to www.deviantart.com slash cmara. That's C M. A-R-A. If you do check it out, be sure to leave her work some love and let her know that Jason sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Voice actor and 2016 Evil Idol champion Nick Garoff's talents can be found on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary podcast. You can also join Nick on his YouTube channel, Wizard of Cause. If you do drop by, don't forget to let him know you heard about him here, on this show. 2019 Evil Idol finalist Danielle Hewitt's performances can also be found right here, on our very own network, as well as on the Creepy Podcast and Wicked Library. Vanessa Bonillo's work can be found on our YouTube channel, as well as the Simply Scary Podcast Network where she was a contestant in 2018's Evil Idol voice acting competition. Up next, we've got a second sinister story for you, as written by Kay Skellington and performed by Eric Peabody, Danielle Hewitt, and Vanessa Bonilla. In it, we'll see that it isn't always easy being a twin. It's not all fun and games and secret languages. There's someone there with you all the time everywhere you go, and they aren't always your best friend or secret sharing playmate. What if all you wanted was for that twin of yours to shut up, to be quiet, to go away? And what if they did? Now, without further ado, I present to you... The Little Girl Who Cried Wolf
Once upon a time, there was a big bad wolf. Mom! Heather cried out loudly, cutting her twin sister off. She's doing it again! The girl's mother, Tracy, appeared at the door, flicking on the light and mock glaring at the two beds across the room. Heather was pointing emphatically at the other bed, where Linda had pulled the covers over herself. What's going on now? Tracy asked. Linda's scaring me! Heather pouted and continued to point at the giggling lump of blankets and sheets that was Linda. The ten-year-olds watched as their mother came fully into the room, pretending to scowl as she grabbed at the blanket-covered pile on Linda's bed. Clearly, she was not taking Heather's concerns seriously, a thought confirmed by Tracy reaching under the blankets and giving Linda numerous tickles. Heather huffed and crossed her arms over her chest defiantly as her twins squealed in delight. Her eyebrows were furrowed harshly as her mother turned to her with a smile. You know she's just teasing you, sweetie, Tracy said, moving over to Heather's side of the room. Some of the anger seeped out of the glowering twin as her mother sat next to her and tucked loose wisps of hair behind Heather's ears. She's been teasing me all of my life, the girl continued, trying to stay angry. It was hard when her mother's sweet voice and soft touch were so calming. Well, that's only been ten years, Heather, Tracy teased. And we got at least another ten more, quipped Linda from her bed. Heather glared at her sister, then huffed again and laid herself back down. Tracy tucked the blankets up around Heather's shoulders and chin, then kissed her forehead. She moved to the door, turning around once to wag a finger at both girls. I don't want to have to come in here again, okay? Let's have a quiet night tonight. Got it, ladies? Both girls nodded in unison, and Tracy turned off the light and closed the door. But once it was closed, Linda sat straight up in her bed and laughed, looking at Heather. <laughs> You're such a chicken. You make me a chicken, Heather insisted, sitting up as well. They're just stories. They can't hurt you. That's not the point. Linda laughed and fell back on her bed, smiling up at the ceiling. <laughs> you make it too easy, sis. Growling, Heather rolled over and put her back to her twin. She wanted to sleep. She needed to sleep. Linda was always making her life so difficult. Why couldn't she just let Heather sleep? For a few moments, there was quiet and blissful silence. But as soon as Heather noticed the serenity, it was shattered by a shrieking and howling sound. Heather sat up, panting and breathless, only to see Linda sitting like a dog in the middle of her little bed, head tilted back. Stop it! No! I heard something howling outside. The moon is full. I'm gonna howl too. Outside, beyond the house, the pack of sled dogs their father kept in a large barn began to howl. They made a terrible racket, the various canine voices so out of tune with each other. Some were fluffy Canadian Eskimo dogs, while others were Chinook breeds. None of them bore the melodic sound of a wild wolf, and neither did Linda. It was a cacophony of noise that forced Heather to put her hands over her ears in an attempt to block it out. Shut up and go to bed! Heather insisted loudly, but Linda wasn't listening. Her sister continued to bay at the imaginary moon above her, lips puckered to extend her pretend dog-like muzzle. Mom! Heather screamed. Linda won't let me go to sleep! Now it was Tracy's turn to huff as she entered the room, this time leaving the light off. Heather watched her mother as she moved to Linda's bed, whispering to her firstborn. Linda seemed to calm and settle as Tracy tucked her in and kissed her. Then she went to Heather's bedside again, easing Heather into laying down. Listen. Tracy said, her voice almost a coo. Linda is your sister. She will always be your sister. But will she always be Linda? Heather snarled, 
Tracy put a finger to her lips, silencing the girl's angry words and continuing to speak. The two of you are like the moon and the sun, just like them. One dark, one light. I'm the moon, right, Mom? Tracy shook her head, smiling and making Heather feel very confused. No, Heather. Linda is the moon, and you are the sun. But she's the bright one. Heather tried to insist. Tracy pulled the blankets up to her daughter's chin once more, tucking them firmly around her shoulders, as if that would keep her still for the rest of the night. The moon is all whimsy and dreamy. That is Linda. Dreamy and funny and silly and lighting up the darkness with her laughter. You, my dear, are the sun. Heather didn't understand that, but said nothing. Her silence meant to encourage her mother to stay more. The sound of her mother's voice was soothing, even over her childish fears and indignant anger. The sun is warm. The sun is strong. The sun decides the seasons for the whole planet. It's the sun that decides when it'll be spring and when it'll be winter. Only the sun can tell the flowers when to bloom or the squirrels went to store their nuts in the trees and hollows. Heather nodded, trying to understand. That's why you are the sun, my dear, Tracy said, smoothing her hand around her daughter's dark hair. You are the strong one. You are wise. You are serious and determined. And you are powerful. So powerful. The little girl glanced over at her sister. Linda was either asleep or she was getting really good at pretending. Then Heather looked up into her mother's loving gaze, her own expression softening. I'm the sun, she whispered, and Tracy nodded. And you give the moon purpose. You decide when it's daytime. And I decide when it's nighttime, so the moon can shine. You got it, Heather's mother said with a smile booping the tip of her daughter's nose with her finger. Leaning over Heather, Tracy let her lips rest on the girl's forehead for a moment before smiling into her eyes. So let the moon be the moon, and you be the sun. Let the moon shine and do its dance through the clouds. In the daytime, you'll be the strong and powerful one, the wise one that makes all the big choices. The moon follows what you do and what you say. Let her have the night to herself. Some of what Tracy said didn't make sense to Heather. She was only ten after all, but she was okay with the words her wise mother spoke. Maybe, she thought, her mother had been the son too when she was a little girl. I love you, Mom. Heather whispered, feeling the weariness of being a twin weighing her down. It caused her limbs to feel heavy and yet light at the same time. When Tracy leaned down to give her another kiss, Heather's eyes closed instinctively. She had only meant to blink, but before she even realized it, she was out like a light. She never even saw her mother tiptoe out of the room and close the bedroom door. The next time Heather opened her eyes... It was because a sound had startled her awake. She lay very still, blankets still tucked firmly around her. They were so tight that it almost felt like she was being restrained. Her eyes flitted around the room quickly, and she turned her head to free one ear from her pillow in order to hear better. She could see Linda was loose and akimbo in amongst the toss of her blankets, but definitely not awake. She was even snoring softly, a sound Heather had known all her life. A real snore, not a fake one. Heather was the only one of the pair awake. There was that sound again. It was a scratching sound like a bending tree branch brushing the siding of the single-story house. Only, Heather knew there hadn't been a wind all day or night, not so far. The sound was close, and against the room's exterior wall, the wall that bore the room's only window. 
Heather slowly turned her head, lifting slightly to look at the window, searching for the source of the noise. It was a big picture window covered with lacy shears of white and pink and lit up from the outside by the lights in the yard. On either side of the window were the heavy curtains Heather's mother would draw close during the coldest nights of the year. However, this was spring, which meant that the drapes were tied to the sides of the windowsill. They were strips of dark purple cloth that went almost from floor to ceiling. On nights like this, the two curtains made the little girl think of two tall ladies standing next to the window, watching over her and her sister. She preferred to think of that rather than the terrible stories her sister would come up with about shadows and she heard the sound again. This time, it was definitely at the window. As she watched with a wide open gaze, a thin, dark object tapped on the glass lightly as if testing it. Then the object drew away and everything was still. But soon enough, there was more noise as the window began to slide open. Several curled, dark, claw-like objects forced the window upwards, pushing on it until it stuck and stayed open. Heather couldn't breathe, couldn't think. She couldn't even call out for her mother, something she had always been able to do at the slightest annoyance from Linda. She could only stare as something huge and black and hairy moved through the open window to stand between the dark curtains. It, too, was as tall as the ceiling. It cast a shadow from the outdoor lights that seemed to spread and fill the entirety of the bedroom. The little girl stared so hard that she felt her eyeballs might pop right out of their sockets. She couldn't do anything else but take in the image before her. Her body was frozen, her limbs beyond heavy or sleepy. It was as if she had no limbs at all, as if she were just a head and a set of terrified eyes. As Heather watched, more and more details of the room's new occupant came into view. The darkness of its shadow was immense, but the outlines of its tall body were becoming more transparent. It was wolf-like, but it stood on two legs. Instead of ears, it had slitted, wrinkle-lined holes on the side of its head. However, its jaws and muzzle were long and dog-like. She gasped as its canines and incisors extended into gruesome fangs. Heather could see its pale pink gums. It looked as if it had no lips to cover its teeth, as if it were always snarling. The creature's body was slightly hunched, as if it were too tall for the room. With its gray eyes staring at her, it growled low and fiercely, causing its whole body to shake as if in need or in hunger. Heather could see wicked drips of drool hanging from between its sharp teeth. She watched in horror and disgust as it flicked at these with an incredibly long and flexible tongue scooping up its own saliva before it could drop and hit the carpeted floor. The creature's body was mostly consumed patches of dark hair, some black, some silver. Other patches of skin were bare, as if the monster was suffering from some mange or fur-killing illness. Its head, muzzle, and jaws were bare of fur, but a tangled mane stuck out around the thicker part of its neck and along its shoulders. Its belly was bald, and the skin was blotched white and gray like a Dalmatian. Along its back, a ridge of hair crested, so pokey and spiked it could have been made of quills. The creature stared at Heather. Heather stared back. And then... 
She was a child, just a child, not a twin, not the son, nothing but a ten-year-old girl. She lifted her arm from her blankets, sitting up and pointing at her sister's bed. It wasn't an act of malice or anger. It was purely instinctual and done in primal self-preservation. Heather pointed at Linda's bed, and the creature began to move towards it. Not daring to breathe, Heather drew backward, away from the approaching monster. She slid first one leg, then half her bottom out from under the blankets. The rest of her followed in a slow and snake-like slide. Soon, Heather was under her bed, crouching on her knees and hugging herself as close to the floor as possible. Linda didn't cry out. There was a snarl, a snap of the monster's jaws, and then a gurgling and gushing sound. Dark liquid began to soak into the sheets of Linda's bed, where they were hung loosely off the side of the mattress. Heather couldn't do anything but stare, lost in the insanity of the moment that was happening before her eyes. The sounds she heard of teeth gnashing against muscle and sinew and crunching over bone slowly drove her mad. After several long minutes, the creature moved. Heather's eyes followed its progress as it made its way on all fours to the open window. One of its hands, or paws, reached up and tore at the lace shears that were barely in its way, a gesture of pure, unnecessary destruction. It turned its head to look directly at Heather, obviously aware of her presence beneath her tall bed. Heather felt her innards clench, then go soft, as she realized the monster held an arm in its teeth. Her sister's arm. The remaining twin clapped her hands tightly over her mouth as she tried not to scream. This made the creature seem to nod its colossal head. Then it turned and slipped out the window without a care to what devastation it had left in its wake. Hours later, Tracy flung the door open, screaming at the sight that met her hopeful gaze. Linda's bed was evidence that she had been right, that when her husband went to see why the dogs weren't barking and noticed the girl's bedroom window open, that something was wrong. Tracy threw herself pointlessly onto the blankets, tearing through them as if searching for something or someone. Roy came in then, a big bulk of a man. He towered over his despairing wife, shocked himself by the amount of blood and gore that Tracy was now covered with so quickly. Then he moved and looked around the room. Heather's bed was empty. Heather? He shouted, staring at the window. But there was no response, no reply. Then he looked at the side of the untouched bed of his second daughter. A puddle of liquid had pooled there on the floor, staining the carpet a darker color, but it wasn't blood. It had leaked from under the bed. Roy picked up the bed quickly and tossed it to the nearest wall, exposing his lone daughter curled up over herself on the floor. Tracy turned and scooped the girl up and into her arms, cradling her. She searched all over her petite body for wounds or injuries, looking for any clue of what had happened to Linda. Heather's hands were still clasped over her mouth, and it took all of Tracy's strength to pry them off. Calvin! Roy called out to the officer in some other part of the house. Calvin, come here, now! Then the big man knelt over his wife and child, cradling them both in his heavy arms. Heather! 
Tracy sobbed over and over again. Heather! Heather! What happened, baby girl? Roy asked, tears pouring down his cheeks. Officer Ernest Calvin entered the room, one hand on his holster, the other squeezing the talk button on the radio hooked to his coat collar. He studied the scene around him carefully, saying nothing. Heather, Roy asked, looking into Heather's sightless, wide eyes. Heather, what happened? Where is your sister? Heather's lips moved, puckering up tightly until wrinkles surrounded her lips. Her cheeks sucked in. Barely any sound came from those lips, but there was something. She was definitely trying to say something. Leaning down, Roy turned his head and put his ear towards his daughter, struggling to listen. The little girl said ever so softly. Wolf. 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 I hope you enjoyed The Little Girl Who Cried Wolf, as written by Kay Skellington and performed by actors Eric Peabody, Danielle Hewitt, and Vanessa Bonilla. If you enjoyed Mr. Peabody's performance, you can hear more of him on the Chilling Tales YouTube channel, where he holds the second place championship title for 2019's Evil Idol competition. You'll also find more of his work on his website at www.vikingguitar.com. If you check him out, be sure to give him a thumbs up and leave a kind word whenever possible. Oh, and tell him you heard about him here on this program. It means a lot to us. To find more of author Kay Skellington, visit simplyscarypodcast.com slash skellington, spelled S-K-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. And you'll be redirected to her author profile on creepypastastories.com, where you'll find a way to connect with her on her website, www.direlilith.com. That's www.direllith, where you can find more of her terrifying works. And with that, listeners... Our weekly descent into the depths has just come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight's episode. I'd remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And, of course, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. While you're at it, consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Jason Hill, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week, when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.